forever. Dog. Hey, everyone. You're listening to the Writer's Panel Podcast. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. On this podcast, we talk about the business and process of writing mostly television with mostly television writers. My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the creator and host of this show. I myself am a television writer and a writer of other things. You may have seen my name on Supernatural, on Puss in Boots, as well as some other series. Most recently, you can find the Audible original series Cut and Run, which my writing partner and I have written. It's about the relationship woes of best friends who happen to be kidney thieves. It's available at audible.com slash cut and run. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes. That's always very helpful for us. Also, please follow me on Twitter at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so. And let me know who else you would like to see on this show. What are you watching on television? What's getting you excited or inspired? And we'll try to get those creators or at least someone from the show to talk about TV because that's what we love to talk about. I need to thank a bunch of folks who were very helpful to me recently in putting together lists and lists of potential guests for this show. They culled through Deadline and found out what pilots had been picked up or been just bought. And so we were able to put together these lists of future potential guests. So thanks to Lavetta Cannon, who is not just uh, a very helpful person, but a lovely person. Uh, Louisa Macaron, who I had the pleasure of teaching some years ago in a workshop, who is a great writer. Check out her stuff. Uh, get in touch with her on Twitter in order to do that. Julie Sparlin, thank you so much. Casey Bischel, who went above and beyond, creating an enormous template for everyone to work off of. These are hopefully all of the people who helped me in this endeavor, and I really appreciate it. It was a lot of work to undertake, uh, and I could not have gotten through it without you. And it's because of you that we're going to have more guests on this podcast. So thanks to all of you. Here's a theme song. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! What I'm going to do is ask you to go around, starting here with Josh, introduce yourself, and uh, let the listener know where they may have seen your name on their television screen. Cool. I'm uh, Joshua Safran. I am the creator and showrunner of the new iteration of Gossip Girl for HBO Max, Previously, creator showrunner of uh, Netflix's soundtrack, ABC's Quantico, showrunner of season two of NBC's Smash, and then Gossip Girl before that. So, Hi, um, I'm Alana Pena. I'm the creator of Diary of a Future President on Disney+, Plus, now streaming. Um, and I also, before that, was a writer on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Hi, I'm Maggie Levin. I am the writer-director of My Valentine, which is the latest installment of Blumhouse's Into the Dark. Um, and prior to that, I was a staff writer and director on the Verizon Go 90 series, Miss 2059, season two. Great. Thank you all for being here. Um, I want to start by talking about uh, early stuff and what you learned. I mean, look, you two are very new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I am uh, very old. <laughs> You had an, you had an incredible learning curve, uh, like on. And let's start with you, Joshua, on uh, Gossip Girl. Was this your first gig that you staffed on? Yes, was this I, the first TV that you wrote. Yes, I back then TV wasn't what it is today, so I was like, I'm never doing TV. I came out oh, of funny. Tish, and I was writing features, and I just wanted to write features, and I wrote pilots and all that stuff. But I was like, no, I'm never staffing, which is now is unfathomable. I would never say that now if I were starting now. <laughs> but back then I was like, never, no, no. And then I actually knew the uh, one of the creators, Stephanie Savage, because she had been a producer and a development executive. And I'd 
worked with her in that capacity. And so I had had a pilot greenlit by the WB and then the WB folded five days later. It was my first pilot greenlit. Oh my God. And then it was the first pilot greenlit by the CW the next week. And then it turned out the rights had never been negotiated for television. It was based on a book, but only for film. So it died. So because of that, Warner's, Peter Roth, really wanted me. Wait, had you gone through the process of writing the pilot? Oh, no, no. I mean, we were greenlit. And they were going to shoot it. Hiring directors. It was the whole thing. And by the way, it took me nine years to get my own pilot, a pilot of mine shot again after that. I mean, that's like the craziest part. But anyway, so Peter Roth at Warner Brothers, who I'd done it for, was like, I will find you something. The CW was inclined, Don Ostroff, because she had greenlit it, she was like, I will find you something. And I knew Stephanie. So actually, I took that show sort of like as... Not as a favor, but as like, they were like, you'll love this show. Can you just go on for a year, work three days a week? It was consulting producer position. Just, I grew up on the Upper East Side in New York City. I went to private school. They wanted that experience and I knew everybody. So they were like, just do it for a year, basically. But of course they didn't mean that. And then I was there for five years. I have so many questions. Ask your questions. No, I just, I love that show so much. How is it? Let's get into it. I mean... Um, it, I went into you know what it's like when you do shows you go into a cave and you're like I'm just gonna hang out in this cave for like a couple days and you come out and five years has passed and you're like what happened yeah. and I feel like people don't quite I mean they do understand the level of work that goes into what we do but they don't really understand how much of your life you miss like mm-hmm. so I'm very grateful for that experience I do like the show of course because I'm doing the new version uh, <laughs> but but I do also feel like I lost five years of my life yeah. so it's well, I want to talk about to this the, for a yeah. second um, I think we don't talk enough about like jumping into this thing and you can never really prepare for it right like you know Maggie you just wrote and directed your first kind of big thing for TV yep. uh, Alana you just pro- show ran your first show like there's no way to prepare yourself for this so I'm curious to hear from all of you like what is the stuff you had wished you wished you had known hmm. oh that's a great question um I I don't know yet <laughs> uh uh, truly, there are so there sure. are so many. Well, let's, I mean, let's, there's so yeah. many pieces I mean, to it. Yeah. It's like, and you need you need to be to be the level that we're all at. You need to be at a hundred percent on every single thing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as a not straight white male, people look to you differently. They, they're looking for weakness. Mm-hmm. I find that's been my experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm sure you guys have had similar experiences. So you have to be the best at everything and yet you don't know everything so you're like quickly playing right. catch up and learning everything as fast as you can but every second there's a new thing that comes at you which is crazy absolutely <laughs> I think uh, one of the things that I wish that I had realized as I got into so I everything that I did leading up to this movie which also the Into the Dark movies are they're half movie half TV yeah. they're movies made on a TV schedule with and a budget. sort of <laughs> and budget and TV model-ish in terms of um, like yeah producer participation and I navigating the space between like it being a sort of filmmaker forward Mm. um, vision based project, but also understanding how to incorporate um, feedback from Mm. the litany of producers that particularly got involved in, um, in post and like understanding where, you know, my vision began and the sh- and ended and the shows you know all of yeah. that like that space was real tricky territory um and also i think what what i really learned through the whole process of making my valentine was 
Um, something that I've also been working on in therapy, <laughs> which is how to not take criticism personally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but also you had a really hard thing, which is that there isn't really a template for what you were doing. And yet yeah. they yeah. think there's a template. <laughs> you're making, you're actually creating something new each time. Every writer yeah. director that goes in yeah. there is yes. creating for that series something new. And so you can't look back on what's been done, but yeah. they still have been through it before, but they haven't really, because it always changes. Totally. Really difficult space yeah. to do. It's, it's a tricky model. And I think like it's a really interesting space for risk taking and whatever but each mm -hmm. each project is so unique for them that yeah there really isn't a, a system yeah. and the feedback is all sort of based off of what the individual project is rather than like what is who's the show for you know it's kind of it's it lands in a confusing yeah. space and totally. so I had to really like keep my eyes just on like okay this is the movie that I set out to make this is the movie that I think the team wants and so everything is all about just sort of guiding it towards that yeah, yeah. I think though the like they're not being a system obviously what you did is so specific but <laughs> I think like I one thing I wish I knew is I went in and I was like I expected there to be like the template of like this is how it's run and this is what it is and like <laughs> it's the same every time and like if I just follow these rules it will be perfect right and like yeah it was you know it's a Dis it was the first Disney plus original that's not based on anything so there's no template in that way but mm -hmm. I think something I learned is like there's never a template like every process is so different and I kept like thinking that there would be someone be like this is correct and this is incorrect and this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do and I learned very quickly that that's not how it is and like from mentors and from people who've done this before every single process is so different every variable is vastly different and you just have to kind of take the million things that come out of you <laughs> and like figure out how to solve them without there's not a blueprint mm -hmm. and Ooh. that's and even though this has been done thousands of times and succeeded thousands of times and failed thousands of times <laughs> there's still like every process just has its own particular yeah. brand of like process you yeah know? So isn't it shocking that it works <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly don't understand how like because i think the thing that i wish that i had learned which i still haven't learned after doing it for however long it's been is that i still get affected every time so i yeah. the, the, hmm. not being able to take criticism personally i can't i have not learned how to cut off i, I see other yeah. showrunners and other producers able to like not take it so seriously or not mm -hmm. be uh, all in or have it affect them so much i i yeah. can't and that's but but <laughs> I wonder, I watch other people who don't care as much succeed as well, if not more. And I'm like, do they know something I don't? So uh -huh. I, to me, it's it's like, yes, it's different every time. And yet I don't understand how like 532 showrunners, if there's 532 <laughs> shows, yeah. are doing it and are fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think every, I every project that ever gets all the way made and all the way to air, I mean, it's a series of miracles that have yeah. to happen. <laughs> Just miracles. Um, mm -hmm. especially, uh, figuring out how to, how to make something that's never been made before. I'm really interested to know, like launching a show when you're in that period of time where it hasn't come out yet and you don't know whether it's going to, you, sure. you've got a plan for a whole season and, and maybe you're only going to run two episodes or something like that. <laughs> that sounds terrifying to me. Yeah. This, this had an input and an output. It was like, you're right. making one movie and it definitely comes out on February 7th. They like, have no choice. That's it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, Alana, as you sort of found your way yeah. in that first season, how did you find your way? Like, what what were the processes you put into place to make sure that this was going to happen? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think surrounding yourself with people who, you know, not only have been through whatever their version of the process 
was or is, but also are, you know, nurturing, supportive people. I just feel so lucky mm-hmm. because it is a series of miracles and there's a thousand ways that something can fail. <laughs> and I just feel like I was bolstered by really supportive, lovely people, whether they were on the project or off. Um, I think coming from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is a show that I grew up on and, and you know, I truly, I started as an assistant and yeah. I, I I made it to staff and, and Aline and Rachel, who are my mentors on that show, like I watched it happen, but I didn't just watch it. I was their assistant. So I was like in it. And I think, I honestly think that being a showrunner's assistant prepared me for this job, like in so many ways more than being a staff writer, because Mm -hmm. I really got to see how the sausage was made. I got to like understand that like, if this happens, these are the people you email to deal with it. Like I knew who to email. I always tell people being a showrunner's assistant is actually probably the second most important job on an entire show because you know everything. Like you, you truly know everything. It's a great front row seat. Yeah. I tell that to my assistants all the time. Like when the actors want to know something, they don't go to the writer. They go to the showrunner's <laughs> assistant because they're like, what have you heard? What's happened? Yeah, Same thing yeah. with like productionists. I mean, everyone, like everyone knows that person knows everything. And they think they're weak and that they can break them, <laughs> but they can't. Showrunner's assistants are the strongest people on set. Much stronger than the showrunner. No, and they have the showrunner's ear and they literally like, I, I would find myself even looking through old emails on Crazy X to see how like a certain thing was dealt with because oh, like I, I was the one who was dealing with it you know what yeah. I mean so it was that helped and and yeah I mean I I feel really really lucky that we have you know executives who believe in the show and trusted the show and yeah. and the big thing that everybody warned me when we were going in is like you know as a young creator someone who's writing a show sort of based on their childhood it's like they were like hold strong to your voice hmm. make sure that nobody tries to make this like their show keep it your show yeah. and you know, obviously the show is not just my show. It's like it has the DNA of all the writers and directors and collaborators in such a lovely way. But one thing I'm so grateful for is nobody ever tried to insert themselves in it. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever tried to to make it fit a mold of what Disney wanted it to be. CBS, you know, uh, the the showrunner we brought in, the, you know, EPs. It, everyone would always be like, Alana, what do you think? What is, you know... This is your voice. This is your show. That's and right. and everybody held to that in a way that was like so humbling and wonderful. And that's why I think it worked, I think. That's great. Any, any I want to pick up on that in a minute. But Joshua, I want to come to you on this, this process question and like the miracle of getting things done through Gossip Girl and Smash and Quantico and Soundtrack and now Gossip Girl again. Have you sort of formalized a process that works for you or is it really different every time? I just think anyone who does what we do is like hanging by a wire always. (laughs) So I I wish I had a second to think about a process. Mm -hmm. I think I know a process and then it falls out the window right away. It's like, so you have to be prepared to like be dangling at all times. Yeah. I have not stopped enough to formulate a process. I would love to. Honestly, like I'm in this place where I love hearing your guys' passion and excitement. I'm so burnt out. I don't even know how I'm breathing. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, maybe I died and my cat wants food and I'm like, I'm not dead. Like I that's how it feels all the time. I, I just But you're I, I'm, getting shows on the air. Cool. Product great. is getting out there. Sure. I, and again, like I'm very grateful to be able to do this. I I mean, like I, I always tell people and they hate this when I speak on panels and things that like I got an agent at right when I graduated, mm-hmm. right before I graduated college, but all of my friends who were in the dramatic writing program with me at Tisch, it took them like 10 years, some of sure. them 15 years. One of them is a showrunner, Daylin Rodriguez, for the first time oh, last I year. Love her. the best. Yeah. And Daylin deserved it as much as I Absolutely. did, if not more. And she had to wait 20 years to become a showrunner. I got to do it in like eight. Like that's not fair. And I think it's yeah. terrible. But one of the things that that's done for me is that I'm so much more burnt out than any of my friends. <laughs> because they, and I'm like, and so Daylin's like so excited. And she's right. like, here's a photograph on Instagram of the first table 
read of this season's first episode. And I'm like, um, I'm just going to sleep for about five seconds when the table reads over. Let me know. And that's a really bad way to be. When I'm trying to reconnect, I'm very grateful to be able to do what I do. But at the same time, I just wish I could stop time and get a tiny vacation where I didn't have to write a script. I've never had a vacation where I didn't have to write a script. But again, this Holy is like shit. anyone hearing this is like going, no, that's fuck how you. It, but because that's how you get is. to do this. But I, And I'm like great like i'm 40 i'm gonna be 46 in a month and i don't have kids like i you know i don't understand you've just been like kids. running a yeah, marathon yeah, the whole so, time I, whatever anyway but you, so you I'm, do I'm, have smash i do have smash <laughs> smash is my child that never goes away ever no matter what happens no. even if i try <laughs> angelica houston is still screaming at me in my dreams it's fine i love it <laughs> um let's talk about let's get into this before we kind of get back to what you were talking about a lot like I think I had a vacation this year where, or I guess it was last year, where I did not write a script. And my wife was like, wasn't that great? <laughs> Isn't it nice to take five days off? How are you making time for yourselves? Whether it's, you know, now when you have show, when you're working on something, like we're always working on something, right? Yep. This whole business is about hustle and tenacity. Always. It never stops. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you not die? <laughs> I don't know yet. Uh, like, I'm but dead. You've been I'm my that, ghost is speaking to you. You've been in that uh, hustle for, you know, a decade. Yep. Yeah. And that's, the, I mean, the the thing is that if you, there's a, you get that, you're a New Yorker, you know, somebody lit a fire under you when you were four and told you if you sit down, you, you're going to fail. Yeah, you can't stop. Yeah. You have to Someone keep running. else is going to yeah. get ahead of you. Totally. And I've never lost that completely like anxious mm -hmm. child mentality oh, about my own Literally career. same. <laughs> I think it's pretty much true of all creators. I, yeah. I don't know any creators who rest. Well, I actually do. Yeah, me too. That's the thing. Yeah, I guess I do. But maybe too. they're not as but rest, good. Like, like, what is that? What they is are, they don't have the fire mean? that we're talking about. They don't have like the energy uh, and yeah. the like and that uh -huh. hustle mentality. They're yeah. Like, if it comes, it comes, and I, I don't quite understand that. I mean, there no. is the. Uh, I would say that I have been impacted by the self care movement. <laughs> do a lot of face masks. Um, sure, that counts. I, massages. I went. To, I went massages? To, yeah. Oh yeah. I have a the now, which yeah, is a the best. Oh I yeah. I just started going there. Chain in Los Angeles. Should we get money told. for this? I just started going there and so have you, so that's great. What about you? Come on, a lot of you guys I, are going there too. And then, I need to do the yeah. now. Um, no, I, I think, I mean, I feel like it keeps coming back to people, but I think I would like mm -hmm. explode if I didn't have people to kind of like collapse onto. Oh, support, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I actually, I was going to, there was a few years ago where I was like, okay, I'm working so much. Like I'm going to go live. I had a, two roommates and I'm like, I was going, I'm going to go live alone. And like, that's what I need. And I'll have an office and I'll do my thing. And then it didn't work out. And I have one roommate who's been like my best friend since we were 11. And I will say like coming home after like, you know, leaving for set at like 530 in the morning and coming home at 10 PM and just having somebody who was like essentially like <laughs> one of my limbs. Yeah. Like, and so I could just be like, and I didn't have to be on. And I, I just yeah. could be like, blah, 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 this happened and this happened. This is what I'm worried about for tomorrow. But like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and she's like pouring me a glass of wine and like, we'll maybe watch like an episode of something dumb or like, yeah. I'll just yeah. sit or we'll talk about like nothing related to my work day or she'll talk about her work day. Mm -hmm. And I just think like have not being able to come home and not immediately like open my email and do things, mm -hmm. even if it's like an hour and a half 
kept me sane. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I've set new restrictions. Sense. I don't answer email at night. I think that, that's, that is, I, that's I answer great. them in the morning. I get up earlier than yeah. I normally would, and my morning process is about an hour of email. But it's honestly better when I. And the other thing I had to do, I learned this during Smash, and I've done it ever since, is that whenever shooting is done for the day, I don't go directly home because if I go directly hmm. home, I don't have a. There's no come down. I'm, yeah. I'm still wired. Yeah. So even if it's two in the morning in Atlanta, yeah. my assistant will find the place that's still open somewhere so that I can. <laughs> Great. Either get a drink or eat some fries or just I need like a half an hour, an hour yeah. to step back into my yeah. life. That and is then so I can smart. Sleep, yeah. But I didn't. But uh, and so it, it is. But then I don't I sleep six. I mean, five right. hours like because I'm yeah. up 14 no, you hours. Have to but it somewhere. it's worth it because otherwise my brain is spinning at home and I'm going crazy. Yeah. Right. No, I need it's some fun. I need some sort of buffer between the work and then like the going to sleep and thinking about well, the, really the buffer. Things. Exactly. Yeah, no. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know what I would now. I'm like, thank God. I'd I love my husband to be the buffer, but he's asleep. Yeah, I got to catch her when she's. When she dates someone, I'm like, you gotta, I mean, it's a plus checking, I need you. I have needs. Come on. I think, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to be the therapy person over and over again, but the, the sure. therapy... Boy, oh, same. really? Oh, totally. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Worthwhile <laughs> investment. You know, if you can if you can find a way, if you, if you get that sweet, sweet uh, union health insurance <laughs> and they'll pay you back the vouchers or whatever, like, yeah. wonderful, but go to therapy. I agree, but Very also helpful. I've noticed that in the last five years, studios and networks finally are understanding that. Meaning if I'm like, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I can't talk for an hour, I'm going to therapy, they're yeah. like, fine. Oh, yeah. But it didn't used to be that way. You guys are young, and like, but it didn't. Like 15 years ago, uh -huh. they were like, no, no therapy. They were like, what, <laughs> what are you, are you doing? About? You're missing an hour. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening? Yeah, but now they get it. Well, no, now it's like they, we need it yeah, to make exactly. a good they're show. Like, Thank yeah. God they're going to therapy. They won't quit. Um, and on the practical advice level, um, set shoes, finding your set shoes. Mm. Uh, Somebody told me that, and I have not oh found them God. yet. Oh, my God. Hoka so, Ones. Okay. Good to know. I'm, I'm not just trying to hear plugging products. But, uh, no, this uh, is great. Okay. Okay. We're going to get them all to advertise. Yeah. Wait, so that's what you found that really works great. Okay. Oh, my gosh. The um, the difference. So I, I shot before Valentine. I directed a lot of, like, shorts and a lot of music videos and commercial material and, like, little, little series for a lot of the digital networks. I, I kind of felt like... Um, like a widow maker of digital networks. Like I had a show at full screen, full screen folded. I had a show at Go 90, Go 90 shut down. It was just like, great, I show up, do a show, and it ends. You were the mic drop. Why don't you think yourself as a mic drop? Listen, um, Hulu had a good run. Oh my God, I'm about to end. I'm sorry. I did it. I killed them. Um, but the, uh, the difference between all of those shoots, which some of which were weeks long, almost close to uh, My Valentine, which is an 80-minute movie, um, was shot in 16 days, which is madness. Oh, my God. Um, wow. and yeah, we shoot 42 minutes in 16 days. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, so sorry, Maria. No, it's fine. I'm yeah. over here, like, being excited about the next How? thing. I'm going to be so leisurely. <laughs> um, but my skeleton after a week-long shoot, like, ached. Like, the inside of my bones would ache mm -hmm. until I got shoes okay, and, and it's because another director turned to me and was like why are you wearing right now I'm wearing my motorcycle boots that I used to wear to shoot it and she was like why are you wearing those you're gonna die and I was like oh okay I guess I should get some sneakers sure. and she's like yeah get the super orthopedic ugly you'll yeah. look you'll hate how you oh, look God. but you'll feel so much better okay yeah. I gotta do that because no, I, I didn't because I, I was on set <laughs> yeah. every day for six months and I came back and my back was all fucked sure. up yeah. but, I, but I not thought about that because I'm used to being in a writer's room in post right. and mm -hmm. but nowadays with streaming it's you write all the scripts and then you're on set all the time yeah. and then you're in post so it, wow. I had not stood for and I don't sit because if, you, if you're the boss and you sit 
other people relax. Mm-hmm. And somebody told me that a long, long time ago, so I never sit. But also, I never sit anywhere from New York. Yeah, sit. no, you want to like run around and be yeah, active exactly. and yeah. in it, and and that up and down all day, and and on your feet for twelve hours. It's yeah. it's set or yeah. fourteen it. set shoes. Yeah. Um, while we're on the subject, you know, you were both recently in writers' rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about keeping healthy and productive in those writers room both personally healthy and keeping your rooms focused and working mm-hmm. what are your hours um we worked for season one it was like 10 to 6 with like an hour for lunch right. kind of thing um what about you we do 10 to 4 yeah i made a rule during smash six hours only i think if we get a season two it will be that yeah that's i just what... you do the same amount of work in six hours yeah, without yeah. taking a break we eat lunch together that's the sacrifice i mean you can go out Go out any time, check mm-hmm. your phone, go to the right. bathroom, take a walk around the block, I don't care, but just six straight hours of work and then we're done. That's and, so reasonable. And That's great. What I, I realized, found yeah. Gossip Girl the first time around, you know, most shows, it's nothing to do with how Gossip Girl was run, right. were like you would just, you'd stay till 10, you'd stay till midnight. If you, yeah. you didn't have it, you'd stay till one. And the thing is you're hitting your head against the wall. It always comes the next morning anyway. You go home, exactly. you sleep on it and you have it. So yeah. six hours and not only that though, I'm so strict about it. Like even if we're so behind and we're fucked and it's like 3.59, I'm like, I'm leaving. I will leave. Yeah. I am like. A, I, I, it's like I'm a dog waiting to be picked up at daycare. Like I am leaving at four, no matter You're what. Going to and a place to get a else, sandwich before exactly. you go home. And every, exactly, and everybody else is gonna leave. Like you can't. Like I'm not. I'm leaving, so you're leaving. Right. Like, so at four o'clock, I'm out of there. Well, I was I just told like by... snaps for those beautiful boundaries. That is some great boundaries. <laughs> That's work. a way to keep healthy. I think boundaries too, and like, but but, but I said what boundaries can you no, keep? I but anyway, <laughs> I was no. I was just told in college by a playwriting professor to always stop writing. Like don't stop writing when you're like I did it. Like I finish mm-hmm. the scene and then you close your laptop like stop when you're like so excited about what's next and when mm-hmm. you're like you actually kind of can't stop writing so I think it's like does that work I mean I don't know I would never do that I that think would freak me out so much or, or who is that professor you, know, there, you give writer? yourself a cliffhanger we do that we actually do this well, quite but often. I think, you give yourself a cliffhanger for the next day exactly or it's like you know I'm in it I'm in the groove so when I open my computer I'm not just like banging my head against right. the wall I'm like excited to do this thing you know I think if yeah. you can't stop don't stop but to you know in terms of ending at like 4 p.m. if you're banging your head against the wall you that's gonna yield nothing and everyone should go live their lives so that you can come back and have something that hit you while you were like with your family and like living your life but also even if you're like we're in it we're in the groove like we're feeling it it's like that's not gonna die you're gonna be able to come back the next day and people will be more excited you're You're gonna be like oh my god i'm so energized by this while you're living your life i think the boundary is Make sure that your writers live your li- live their lives because yeah. otherwise, what on earth is there to write about? If you can't intake, you can't output. I mean, yeah, I've always yeah. believed that, and so I always I think everyone needs to intake, and that goes for set too. Like I tell my actors, like I don't do fourteen hour days unless I absolutely unless there's something going terribly wrong. Right. Because if we don't, if I don't get to go have that drink or that meal that steps me down into sleeping, and they don't either. I mean, like you know, sure, actors have downtime because they're in their trailers, but it's not really downtime. And no. a lot of people think that they're thinking about the next scene. They're yeah. like, did I do the last scene correctly? Like it's very anxiety producing so everybody I want to be able right. to go home and have their lives yeah. and if it's only fun if we can go do that um, yeah. so yeah and so I keep there and I also for me for my writers room the other thing I do is like I'm very light I, I don't understand I've been in rooms where it wasn't re- they weren't run with a light touch mm. oh. but I'm like very much like I'm goofy. I yeah. make sh- I, I never even if I'm stressed like it's not in the room ever yeah ever. oh yeah it's great yeah it's, great. Yeah, it's hard to happy, do happy but- um, a happy crew or a happy room yeah. that means better work, yep. you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and it gives people the freedom, I think, too, because so much good stuff comes out of personal stories and sometimes things that, like, mm-hmm. you, when you're in a groove and you're sharing something and it's, like, you need the room to feel 
safe and light safe. and like open. Yeah. And if and if you come in with an energy, then people are not going to be like, I'm going to tell this like embarrassing right. story about my like seventh grade boyfriend. You know, like mm-hmm. no one's going to feel like they can open up if you have like an energy that's buzzy or closed. Sure, but it can go the different. Like I, there was a show, one of the seasons I was on a show. I was very open about everything in my life, and I was like, there was this time where this thing happened, which was very revealing. And then I was waiting for everyone else, and they were just crickets. <laughs> so you're like, so all I did all season was keep telling stories in my life, and some some writers. I feel mm-hmm. I th- I, it has shifted. I'm curious to know what you guys actually think. Like when I, I the first Gossip Girl years, people were incredible. I've just noticed a closing off from most people moving really? forward. And really? I attribute that as an old man, which is what I'm sounding like, <laughs> to like everyone's so used to curating what they put out in the world oh, now. So there's thought before mm-hmm. they speak in a weird way. They're not like connected fully to their brains just coming straight yeah. out of their mouths. It's like, what am I going to post today? Or what am I going to reveal today? Or like it's, it's everything is a breath before you do it. So to get people to mm-hmm. be unlatched from the part, the thinking part of their brain mm-hmm. and just into the feeling part, I've had a harder and harder time mm-hmm. with, really of the younger writers hmm. I find, but that's, really? but, I'll have to ask yeah. around and see if that's I'm a just, phenomenon. Yeah. But, but also they do have, it just takes long. Like it right. takes maybe a, month to get them to that place right. but it's not the immediate thing yeah. right or the series telling their therapist that they're not but i mean it sounds like you are not having any well no problems. i mean i, I just I, might have the wrong writers no. not right now they're great i'm just you know i don't know i feel like that's also just i i i heard recently that some of the like diversity programs and um what else? like some some people out there are giving advice to young writers of like only pitch when you have like the perfect idea and mm-hmm. like you know, it's good to like stay quiet until you can like hit a home run. And like that to me, I don't know if so that's wrong. contributing no. to it, so but wrong. like yeah. I, I, it, it like broke my heart. Like I just was like how you're hiring somebody because you want their voice, you want their personal stories. And I feel like there's there's like things out there that are damaging that are telling maybe younger, more inexperienced writers of like, hey, like you're lucky to be there. You know, only talk if you can hit it out of the park. And like, I, and you learn by failure. You yeah. learn by I mean, failure. I'm learning by I'm, failure every day. I'm yeah. not only talking when I'm hitting it out yeah, of the totally, park. Totally. Like, what kind of and 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 you're also hiring people because they literally have something to say. Totally. Like it's it is actually damaging and like more wasteful of the show's money if someone does that. So I don't know if that's Ooh. contributing to it, but I like heard that and it it like really bum me out. But I also think rooms these, I'm hoping that rooms these days are more inclusive than they have been in the past. Yeah. But part of that is sometimes the mix isn't right. And mm. so while a showrunner can walk in and out and think that it's fine, mm-hmm. we're not in there every second of every day. Right. And I know I've had one room where there was discomfort based on around a certain writer and I didn't notice it for a while mm-hmm. and nobody wanted to bring it to my attention because they were trying to be great for yeah. me. Right. And yeah. it took me a while to realize that. And I knew that that was what it was. You know um, who knew? The showrunner. Assistant. I was gonna say. Uh, that's <laughs> funny. I'll ask. I don't know. I just <laughs> the showrunner frequently isn't aware of these sort of small people put on a things. great a, yeah. a brave face when totally. you come in. They want to do well by you. Exactly. So mm-hmm. and so, but then I I started to pick up on it, and obviously my number two right. knew about it, but was trying to sort of like fix it, yeah. and then ultimately it got fixed because we removed the problem. Right. It's, it's tough. I mean, if you I, need chronic oversharers for your room, I know tons. Of <laughs> I, you know, it's fun now. This gossip room, room is great. Like yeah. they they okay. do that, but I've ha- but there were rooms on other shows where people seemed very very Reserved. afraid, very afraid. You yeah. know, I think part of it too is that the nature of the show, like 
it's, it doesn't just have to be soap. You want people's real life stories in yeah. any show, whether yeah. you're doing yeah. an action show or whether you're doing a period. Somebody's like, I didn't live in the 20s. It's like, no, but t- tell me what it's like when you felt betrayed for the first time or when your yeah. parents hurt you. Like, it doesn't matter. And I think right. sometimes people come to shows and they're like, I'm here not for emotion. I'm here for action. Right. right. So I write not, this kind of thing yes. or you need me. But for you this. need everybody no. to be open and to yeah. be coming to play, you know? Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. Um, let's, before we move too far away from it, talk about the writing process itself. Um, uh, Alana, was Diary of a Future President something you specced or pitched? Yeah. I thought it was. Yeah, I wrote, I had just gotten um, mm-hmm. my agents actually, and uh, they were like, we want you to write. You know, I had a, like a dramedy and I had some plays, and they were like, we want like a more traditional comedy. And so I sent them like, you know, five to 10 ideas or something, and they were like, we like this, you know, future president thing. And I wrote it like really quickly because I didn't want my agents to drop me. Like that was the thing I had. Like I was just like they like this. I was like, okay, they like the idea, and they just had they you know they just signed me, so I have to make sure. And I was still in the crazy X room. Yeah. I think I was the writer's assistant, and I wrote. I mean, I didn't like rush through it, but right. I just like was like you know type A, and like I wanted to get it. It was like the fall, and I think I wanted to get it done like before Thanksgiving. Yeah. It was something like that, and I I wrote a pilot and I sent it to them, and they were like, we want to send this to producers. And I don't, I didn't like know, I, I didn't know what, you know, I just didn't really know things. Um, and I was like, okay. Um, right. Meaning I just didn't know what the process sure. was. Because um, I just was used to being in rooms and I and I also was like happy in the room I was in and I ended up getting yeah. stopped on Crazy X and I was in that room. And while I was in that room, we, I was able to, um, so I met with producers and then I, I got hooked up with Gina Rodriguez's company and it like was a perfect fit and they shared the vision for the show. Um, and then they had a, uh, she had like a first look or some sort of deal with CBS and we pitched it to CBS and it was this like thing with it. It, I f- it felt like it kind of kept happening to me. Like I was like, this is, <laughs> and I love, and, and I was, I was, um, put with a supervisor and we worked on the pitch and we worked on the script and we, we got it in a good place. And I just was like, you know, it'd be really cool to like sell my first pilot. Like that'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah. And it would give me some like money when crazy X, cause we knew it was gonna be the final season. Like I just was like, that'd be that'd be sick to like sell, to like sell a pilot and we so we pitched it to CBS and then all of us collectively went out and pitched it to different networks and we were pitching it kind of all over um because it's a show that could sort of fit yeah, a lot of you different could retrofit yeah. it to any network you yeah, wanted yeah we pitched it yeah. to like traditional networks we pitched it to like apple you know we were kind of pitching it mm. all over and then disney plus was this new thing and they actually read it before we pitched um, some of them it was like a leave behind but for them they right. read it and then we pitched it and it was like this bizarre perfect storm where they were looking for content that was so in line with what I was doing and like hmm. other places I did feel like I would have had to retrofit and it you didn't want to do that and right. I didn't want to do awesome. that like they were like I could tell other places were like a little bit like oh she's a little young and like oh like you know we want to make sure that it like deals more with you know it it just felt every place I was like it'd be great to have a show there but it didn't feel like mine and then Disney Plus was like we love how young she is (laughs) and literally they said that in the pitch and that was the thing that I had I had a a, one a produce like people were saying you should age her up people don't like to see 12 year old girls apparently there's a a, quote purity thing with that what really yeah someone told me that um because it was um a a when I was sort of shopping it around, um, I think it's like you have a little girl and mm-hmm. and, and she's mm. a little girl and you know what to do with a little girl. And then you have like a high school, you have like Riverdale, you have like right. high schoolers and then they can like, you know, 
hook up with people and like have they're like women and that tween space and the tween space was like and you see on tv it's completely untapped for girls and people love it with boys coming of age stories it's like with girls it was always what i noticed was that was shows i love but like lizzie mcguire hannah montana that's so raven like specifically kids networks yeah. and then with boyhood stories it was like a coming of age yeah. and it was boyhood and it was <laughs> yeah. it was boy meets world which yeah. was like you know had real storylines it had adult storylines yeah. and um this is fascinating I'm, yeah. I'm particularly i'm selfishly like this is fascinating i'm writing a, a horror movie about a 12 year old girl because I think, of, I think i think of the space between 10 and 13 as being like the most vital years of my life it's like everything every, everything it's where i became who yeah. i like yes. i basically became me at 12 yep and then life tried to beat it all out of me <laughs> and now i'm like that you know what i mean like that's where yeah. you become and so so yeah so it was this like and i talked about that in the pitch too i was like you know there's shows i love malcolm in the middle everybody hates chris you know but they're fa- those are shows for a broad Families, audience yeah. and girlhood shows are just we don't have them yeah. Yeah, like where is my the circle, i think about my circle of life but that's like 20 years yeah. ago and she right. was a little older She's like 15. she was except claire was 13 when she made it so it's like your brain oh, does this really? thing where you're like I know she's supposed to be 15. No, right? yeah, but, yeah, But yeah. she's like, but it's my brain. I didn't know she her. was 13 yeah. when she made it. Crazy. She was 13 when she made the pilot. They wow. didn't pick it up for a year. She was 14 when she made the first eight episodes. Oh, they geez. didn't pick it up. And then she was 15 when they made the rest, which is why when it came to be renewed, she said no. Oh, wow. It was wow. on the bubble. And they were like, maybe we'll renew it. And she's like, I don't want to do it. Because she'd been doing it for three years. Jeez. So she was like, I'm and done. You guys wow. can read about it. Google it. It's I love that. That's so interesting. I no, yeah, but story. my soul, but still, isn't that show 15. is like grittier yeah. and like it's, I, it, I don't know. And I was like, where's the wonder years for girls? Like mm-hmm. we yeah. have yeah. our own wonder years. Oh, that's yep. so true and sad. And it was like, like, congratulations. No, though. thank yeah. you. And, but Disney Plus like got it. And yeah. they like, yeah. you know, they were just like, yes, this is the kind of thing we want to make. And I was like, cool, it looks like they really like it. And then they were like, we want 10 episodes. Wow. So that was like this kind of crazy thing it's where wild. I wrote a script it's to like wonderful. make sure that my agents thought that I was legit. And then I had a television show. <laughs> how, how did that script change from the time you wrote it to the time it was made? That's a good question. Um, this I I was someone asked me that recently. The story didn't really change. Like the the A and the B stories like stay the same. Um, I actually think she may have been thirteen because I'd been getting all that feedback in my ear, and then I made her oh, back funny. to twelve once we got <laughs> Disney Plus. Um, there were certain things that we like moved to like other episodes that we want, you know, because you kind of put a lot yeah. in the pilot um, to, to, you know, put it all in there. Um, but the general, I should pull up the old script. The general tone and feeling of it is, is pretty much stayed. I mean, it also, but it also, it, it got funnier Mm -hmm. because we brought it with the writer's room, got their hands on it. Oh, that's great. So it has jokes where I'm just like, um, that's Bridget. You know what I mean? Like I (laughs) can, it got funnier. It got tighter. It got shorter for sure. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was definitely, there were scenes, even once we were editing, there were scenes where it was like, oh, you can tell this story in like a much more compact way. I mm-hmm. think for pilots, I don't know if you guys, I just like put, you want to yeah, make go. sure that you like take care yeah, of everybody yeah, yeah, and yeah. hold their hand. And then, <laughs> yeah, um, you really dummy proof it. Yeah, but I should look at it. I should see, you know, the bigger thing. But, but Do you think it got better? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. I've never had that experience. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, no. I wanted to ask uh, you about No, that. not better. I mean, but also... I've only this Gossip Girl is the for this new iteration of Gossip Girl is the first time that I didn't. It's not for broadcast. Even soundtrack mm-hmm. was for broadcast when it was initially mm-hmm. a mixtape for Fox. So my broadcast mm-hmm. experience, which has been all of my shows until now, mm-hmm. um, is the too many cooks. Yeah, uh, uh, sort of like they don't. I don't think they send it out to test scripts, but it, you get feedback from all departments. I'll never forget on Fox. 
one day they called me and they were like, after I thought I'd done all the notes to get the pilot ready, it was before it was greenlit. They were like, we just had a meeting, a departmental meeting, and we have more notes for you. I'm like, oh, you mean sort of like uh, the same notes I've been getting from the executives? And they were like, no, marketing, promotions. Oh my God. But I mean, it was every department in the building. I want to be like the janitorial staff. I mean, like, but it, <laughs> it was truly every, and I was like, but these are people that are not, and they were like, yes, but we open it up to, it's 50 people. They have a round where they open up to everybody who works there what? to get their feedback to make sure. So I had to do these notes from people that I'd never met that didn't know the process of the sure. show. And so- Did you have to do oh, that? Yeah. Like, were they like, like these are well, look, I, I mean, I, I try to fight everything. I think my <laughs> reputation is that I fight everything. But you do want to, when you want to get your show greenlit, you yeah. will do, so like you just try to find the note behind the note or, or which notes matter more to the people that are telling you they matter. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, so I can't ever say, I don't think, I think things move laterally. I don't think they get necessarily worse, mm -hmm. but I definitely feel like a lot, just the uh, the exhaustion of that. Maybe that's why I'm so burnt yeah. out is that, and I'm hope, like broadcast pilot season is very yeah. difficult. It's just, yeah. You're, you're, everybody is weighing in constantly and they can't rest. Like, even when I thought people were like, okay, finally, they, I got them to understand that I wanted to do lip syncing mm -hmm. instead of um, covers. But every day, even, even the first day of shooting, it was still like, are we sure we want to do, like, I'd have to fight for it every day. Mm -hmm. wow, and it's gosh. like, what, I thought we agreed. I would always have these, and then right. there was like the, well, if we're going to do it, not these songs. And I'm like, but we had to secure the rights weeks ago. Like, yeah. and we can't get a new song. Like, that was what saved me was not being able to get new songs <laughs> yeah. in time. So it's just all of that. Yeah, and like, casting, it's like that changes yeah. on a daily basis. Um, I, you know, right. it's, I will say the thing, I mean, it, it definitely changed a lot, but the thing that changed the most was the future part. Cause it's, we have, my show has like a, it's a coming of age of a 12 year old girl, but she becomes president and you learn that in the pilot. And that part, learning that changed a lot. Like went through a lot of iterations before we figured out like the best end to the story. Mm -hmm. um, because that's a framing device is a whole other challenge. And that was a thing that like, not even in the pilot in the show went through, like we had to kind of crack and figure out and, and we like landed on something that's very like, princess bridey like you open it and you're in but that's not how i originally wrote it because yeah. also i wrote it being like i don't have to solve this problem like i don't have nine more episodes <laughs> right. and then you get in there and you're like oh there's a you know there's how do you do it in episode two yeah. or do yeah. you do it in episode two interesting yeah yeah uh and folks go check out episode two and find out oh, yeah. um <laughs> maggie the same question specifically about my valentine yeah. between the did you pitch this did was it something you had written oh man uh, uh how did that work I was brought in by, so I had a spec feature that mm -hmm. I wrote um, that actually might be getting made this year. Great. Um, that I was brought into Blumhouse. Uh, I met with both the TV and the feature department same time to talk about this sci-fi post-apocalyptic time travel thing that uh, was ostensibly going to get slotted into their um, Amazon uh, oh, series, sure. which yeah. is... Same ideas into the dark. It's like features on a. I think it's less frequently than into the dark. Right. Anyway, um, but I think it was the day before I got there. I got a call that was like, Amazon doesn't want any science fiction, mm -hmm. um, and there. But we were already like doing the meeting, so I was like, okay, we're gonna talk about this script that I know you don't really want. Right. And they were trying to. Um, uh, they liked it, and the. TV department liked it in particular, so they were like, well, maybe it'll work for Into the Dark. Maybe we can make some hmm. massive adjustments right. and change the entire genre of the script. <laughs> and and I, I'm sitting there going like, 
you know, a little bit dying inside because I want to just be like, yes, 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 totally. I have never right. had an opportunity like this before, so I will bend myself in a pretzel and totally butcher this script to make it what <laughs> it needs to be to get made. And then we the, we ended the meeting with like, here's a bunch of the episodes, installments of the show right. to go home and watch and like, let's think about this. But mostly we have a February slot open and this could work for it if you're willing to make some like massive changes. Well, and when was how much when was this in the process? This like, how was long ago? April of last year. Wow, that fast. That's oh crazy. my god. So I went you didn't even have a script or anything. Yeah. You had a script this was, that, I right. had a fully made script that I could completely right, crack right. into pieces and make it possible right. to shoot as a horror movie in sixteen days. That right. would be for like Groundhog Day of this year. <laughs> also, uh important to note that I had been working on that particular spec script for like two years on and off like oh like so, yeah, you know precious baby like, yeah. um and i was trying not to be like precious about sure. it i had a brand new brand new managers brand new you know agents like yeah. feeling very fancy and like oh my god i'm gonna go sell this movie and then uh this news and i went home and i thought about it and then i called um my producer who brought me in there and my reps and i was like look this is gonna sound insane because gift horse and all that but um i don't want to make a bad version of this sure. movie which is a big a hard thing to say oh to somebody I, I mean was, like yeah i was i should have been more scared i was pretty scared yeah. but i was like <laughs> i would rather not like fuck up this giant opportunity and make make a bad thing yeah. i'd rather make no thing but as a potential Hail Mary here, I have another idea which works. So all of the Into the Dark movies are um, loosely connected to holidays. Um, I have an idea for Valentine's Day. Um, I have a topic about uh, abusive relationships that I want to talk about. Um, there's, I've done a lot of work, um, music videos and short films about like the plight of the pop star. And I have a kind of horror concept that fuses all of these things. Let me write three pages about it. <laughs> And I think it, having watched uh, particularly the April episode, uh, which was called I'm Just Fucking With You, which is about mm -hmm. April Fool's Day, it's very like poppy and in your face and mm -hmm. aggressive. And I was like, I know how to make one of these and I know how to make it well. And I think that my sci-fi script broken apart would be a disaster for this series sure. anyway. But I have this other idea. Um, through my producer, that went straight to Jason Blum, mm -hmm. who apparently loved it and then tossed it over to the people at Into the Dark, the producers at Into the Dark. They read it and they were like, let's get on the phone. Got on the phone, pitched it over the phone. They said, great, we're going to do this, write it. And oh you God. shoot in August. Right, so you had, you had no time <laughs> to write it. And prep. So you're writing while prepping? I wrote it uh, in June. I prepped it in July oh and I shot God. it in August. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Crazy. So you haven't had a yeah. second to sit back and be like, <laughs> and edit it. Yeah, we finished like sound mixing a couple weeks ago. Oh it's been God. crazy. And it airs next week? Or? Yeah. Okay. yeah. But it's out on Valentine's Day, right? Uh, it's out the week before Valentine's okay. Day. Okay. So I think by the so time in this the future comes out, air, yeah, will, it'll be out and available. It, yeah. yeah, but it's been, it was a madness yeah. kind yeah. of. Wow. And also like huge major overhauls in my personal life at the time. Like everything yeah. happened all at the same time, as it always does. But you like trusted yourself enough to know that you didn't want to make, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you yeah. created essentially maybe more work for yourself <laughs> to make something better, which is something I could relate to. <laughs> totally. I'm like, well, this is more work, but right. it's going to be better this way. Right. Oh, and, yeah. and I think that that you're it's like the benefits are great. Oh, it is the best move that I ever that phone call. And again, like I, I remember talking to friends before I made that call where they were like, 
are you you're it's out of your hardest, mind. I tell yeah. people all the time it's the hardest thing to do to say no, but there's mm-hmm. it's so much sometimes stronger to say no than to say yes and not not be right for yeah. you. Like mm-hmm. my husband is uh, also a writer, but he's starting out, and so he's getting opportunities mm-hmm. and things are happening for him. But he wants to say yes to everybody because he's new. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you actually have to say no because a you can't do everything. B it's not everything is going to be in your wheelhouse. Yeah. And C like really you they respect it when you say I don't want to destroy the thing that I love right, yeah. right. and and they're like good because we want to work with you but we didn't really want you to destroy the thing you love either <laughs> right, and you're yeah. like great I have a solution for both you of us you said like, no totally. but like you yeah, didn't yeah, say yeah. like no bye yeah. you're like here's something and here's... no I didn't go like let me take I'm my bright angel away from you for real <laughs> if you get no other advice from this podcast don't say no bye say no but yep. yeah. uh, we need to wrap up folks I'm so sorry uh, this has been a delight you're all great uh, please come and talk to us again soon before we go, tell us what you're watching on television, uh, in movies, what is getting you excited or inspired these days. Maggie, let's start with you. Oh, I just finished the second season of Sex Education. I was say just that. so <laughs> freaking genius. It's like upsettingly genius. I know. It's so good. Um, everyone on that show is is pitch perfect and it's beautiful. And um yeah, and then I also uh watch a, a litany of terrible cooking shows that are <laughs> delight. But yeah, the the only narrative thing that I've watched recently is Sex Education season two. Great. Ugh, I was going to say Sex Education. Say it also. Yeah, it's it. so good. It's one of those, because of binge culture, it was like my favorite show of 2019, mm-hmm. but I like forgot about it until, you know, a few weeks ago. And then I was Every like, Every Netflix oh my is God. creator's nightmare. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean it, but it, but it like, influ- I t- it influenced season one of my show. Like we like watched it in the room. We talked about it in the room and, um, but I love it so much. I'm not done yet though. I hear <laughs> yeah. it's so good. Um, I also am not caught up, but Bojack Horseman is yeah, Bojack, one of my, yeah. it's one of my all times. Um, uh, fun fact, the Alanas in Bojack um, is named, well, I'm one of the Alanas. I'm what? the inspiration behind Wait, the Alana how joke. So? Um, so I know one of my good friends is a Bojack writer and I also know the uh, creator in Toronto Raphael. Yeah. And I also have a friend named Alana who actually writes on High School Musical, the musical. Um, and she met Raphael at some UCB event and went up to him and was like, cause, and she knew I knew Rachel and knew him. And she was like, hey, I'm Alana, like not Rachel's best friend, Alana, like the other Alana. And he thought that was so funny. So he put in the show the idea of like, not my best friend, Alana, the other Alana. And it was a bit, but because it's Bojack. It's still a bit. It's right. still a bit. And in season six, there you meet the Alanas. Incredible. Like there are these characters and they're like, and it's so funny. And we're both, That's me and great. Alana are massive fans. Um, so shout out to the Alanas. And shout out to Bojack. <laughs> Real good. Uh, keeping the thread of <laughs> taking the last person show, Bojack uh, yeah. is definitely, I think it's probably the greatest television show of the last 10 years. I hope it gets that, you know, uh, cred 10 years from now because mm-hmm. I just, I can't believe how much they pack into the show about mental illness and, yeah. Yeah. and this business. And it just, it's crazy to me. Um, So that, Definitely that. And then, like you said, you were watching Cheers. I tend to, the job is so stressful that I have to, I can't actually watch other current content. I have yeah. to watch something older. Yeah. So we've been making our way through Designing Women on Hulu, even though awesome. it's been totally butchered <laughs> and there's minutes missing really? of every episode, what? which the actors have come I out talking that. about, which is terrible, but it's still better than nothing. And then also, weirdly, I'm watching 80s and 90s sci-fi. 
sci-fi and action movies because I'm not sleeping at all. Oh my and uh, if my if my heart's going to be racing anyway. So like I watched Alien Nation. I watched Shakedown. I watched oh cool. Red Sparrow, which might as well have been an 80s action right. movie. I watched I Come in Peace. I've been Stars basically has a huge category and I've been working my way through them. Amazing. That's hilarious. Good Lord. I can't wait to see what comes out the other side. No way. After putting all Gossip these in Girl. your brain. Gossip Girl is an 80s Girl. action movie. Yeah. Um, thank you all for being here. Thank Please you. come thank back you. soon. Thank you. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Ew, ew, ew.